you have two choices. You can either choose fear or you can choose faith, but you can't walk with both. And I think what we try to do as people is walk with both. We've got a little bit of fear and we've got a little bit of faith. You have to choose one. So when I heard that, I consciously was like, if I choose fear, I'm consistently going to be in a battle with myself because you're fighting. You're always fighting with fear. I want you. I don't want you. I'm scared of you. But if I choose faith, I'm completely leaving it alone. It forces you to let go. And that's the hardest part of faith is that it requires you to let go. When you are able to share and be vulnerable, it gives the courage. I'm going to tear up because it really gives the courage of someone else being able to be vulnerable. And then that person inspires someone in their family or someone else to be vulnerable. And that's how you spread vulnerability and uh, the courage to come out and share what we go through as humans. It's understood that Allah's plans are always greater than ours. But how strong is your trust in Him if after making dua, everything in your life begins to fall apart? You're listening to Unsween and Unfilter, the podcast, episode 25 of season 3. Growing up, I have always heard the hadith which stated that none shall enter the fire of hell who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of a man, as well as none shall enter paradise who has in his heart the weight of a mustard seed of pride. And so you think to yourself, the size of a mustard seed is incredibly tiny. But what if this hadith wasn't just emphasizing its size, but also highlighting a specific characteristic? Did you know that one mustard seed can produce a tree-like plant that is a little over six feet tall? Imagine that, a tiny seed that has the ability to grow into something larger than life. What if this hadith used the seed as an example to show how having a tiny bit of faith can transform into complete reliance on Allah? After all, a grain of sand could have been used as an example, but sand doesn't have the ability to grow. This seed reflects how faith can grow and become strong enough to overcome the most difficult of hardships. In today's episode, I sat down with Huda Elvi, founder of The Girls Trip, to discuss her journey of self-discovery. Recently, Huda returned to social media after a year or so long hiatus. With her return came an update, one filled with affliction, tears, hope, and an emphasis on extending compassion to others and sharing our truth. Within this conversation, we touched upon how, as women, we sometimes fear what's on the other side of friendships and relationships, which is a journey of solitude that no one has truly prepared us for. Huda shares intimate details of her marriage falling apart and her road to self-growth and acceptance of Allah's plans no matter how much we tend to resist them at first. I want to extend my deepest gratitude for Huda for being so vulnerable and sharing her story. Her words and her journey have helped me immensely in terms of my own healing, and I hope the same for you too. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me today, Huda. I feel like this is a conversation that a lot of people can really truly relate to and resonate with. You know, we've all been facing our own internal struggles, our own internal pandemic, aside from the actual pandemic that has happened in 2020. And I can't wait to talk about the idea of pain and how to step inside of it. So I would love for you to first introduce yourself. We can go right into just sharing your story and how you got to this point. 
Well, thank you so much, Dunia, for having me. It's such a pleasure being here. I think uh, right after the pandemic, it's been really helpful and important to have guests that can really share what's been happening over the past year. And I think so much has happened in everyone's life over the past year that I'm so grateful that I can finally come on here and share, I guess, my side of the story. So just to get started, I mean, family life, professional life, I feel like these days everything is intertwined, right? Like our <laughs> yes. professional life blends in with our family life. Now I find so many of us are kind of pursuing goals and dreams that are in line with our uh, professional lives. And some of us are completely detached from both of those sides. So for me, I think right now, professionally, I just became a real estate agent uh, during the pandemic. It happened during the pandemic. And we'll, we'll kind of backtrack because that in itself, my professional career actually blended in with what was happening in my life. So we'll get into that. But family life, it is my husband who is a firefighter with the city of Toronto. My three kids were a blended family. So my husband had his son and then I had two of my children, daughter and son. And when we met, they were super small. They were like six months, a year, a year and a half. And we've been together for a very long time. So we're a blended ma- family. We get asked all the time if we're going to have kids together. Oh my gosh. And, now that our- <laughs> and now that our kids are like 14, 15 and 16, I can't see myself kind of going through that process again. Alhamdulillah, we're very blessed. And I think we're good where we are. But yeah, that's kind of my professional and family life. The past year for me, I think has been one of the most hardest, the most painful, the most toughest. Now I can look back and say one of the most beautiful journeys I've ever been on. I mean, 2020, I felt like the the carpet, the rug slipped under my feet in so many different ways. And for me personally, it was a breakdown of actually my marriage. And it was not something that I had predicted or seen coming at all. So I literally like vividly remember sitting on my couch and it was maybe two weeks after the pandemic had been kind of announced, the NBA shut down, like right around that time, like the moment of when the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, I was kind of like brought the news that my husband actually didn't want to pursue the marriage anymore. You know, I I think at that time when something so devastating kind of breaks down to you, it's very hard to control not only your emotions, but also physically what you endure and what you go through. So I mean, not to get into the detail of that particular moment, but I felt like my whole world fell apart. And it did, quite honestly, because I think there's women have something called intuition. And so many of us kind of just put it to the side. But if I can be honest, and you know, kind of pull back the pieces. I clearly remember maybe three months or six months, actually, yeah, between the three and six month mark before kind of all of this happened in my life, I felt there was something coming. Like I just had a gut feeling something didn't feel that great. I was kind of on my own journey to find deeper meaning to life. I was going to be turning 35 that year. You know, I was praying a lot. And on my prayer mat, every time I prayed, I would cry. I wasn't sure why I was crying. You know, I would kind of like make dua and pray to God and be like, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, I want you to clear my path. Those were my specific words, clear my path. And when that happened that day, that was all that was running in my mind. I'm like, is this God clearing my path? What does this mean? And I was just a mess. And I think for me in my life, everything transpired so fast that I didn't catch a moment to 
to, as they would call, save my marriage or fix it or to go back to it. I didn't have a choice and I was very helpless in that moment. And that was my pandemic, internal pandemic. Now, apart from the surface of my marriage falling apart, I think so many things also fell apart. So my confidence just hit the ground. I don't know for your listeners, but if any of you guys have been with a partner for 10, 15, 20 years, and you've spent majority of your life growing up with someone, when that person is no longer in your life, or you, for whatever reason, are not with them anymore, there is a sense of you that you lose. You you kind of unrecognize parts of you that you thought you were. So my confidence was completely gone. And Alhamdulillah, I feel like I grew up with lots of confidence. And that came from having a very loving home. I think a loving home provides you when you're young, provides you with a self confidence to carry on in life. So my household growing up as a child, my father was an entrepreneur, my mom was a very loving woman. So we grew up, I feel after seeing a lot of my friends, I'm very grateful for the way we grew up very open household, very supportive household. So even though I had many, many years of that support, and that love, I found myself at the age of 35 completely vanished from all of those things that I thought were a part of my core. So my confidence was gone. At that time, I didn't have a job and financially I was completely broken. I didn't have any savings. I didn't have anything to my name. Now I was back with two teenage kids that I would have to mother on my own as a single mom. And mind you, for your listeners that don't know, me and my husband got together at a point where I had already previously been divorced. So at the age of 18, I uh, got married super early, someone that I wasn't really sure with. It was something that I wanted to do. My parents didn't really agree, but they listened and they got me married. And after three years, after having both my babies, it was an unhealthy, unloving relationship, an unfulfilled, unhappy kind of place I was at. And at 22, about 22, I decided to leave. And that alone was really hard because I think as a South Asian woman being married and then going through a divorce and having children, that's a whole another area of taboo in itself. But even at that time when it was extremely hard, social media wasn't around, there wasn't much support and, you know, people sharing their stories. Uh, my father stood by my side and said, you know what, you're unhappy. This is not a marriage. I see you living for the next 60 years. So I moved back in with my parents and I was a single mom for five years. So now at the age of 35, when my marriage, my second healthy, loving, beautiful marriage that I thought in my heart broke again. It's funny how our past traumas come back to life. And that's what happened with me. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, I was a single mom before I went through a divorce. I'm going through a divorce again, and now I'm going to be a single mom again. And I can't believe I failed. And all of these like negative spiraling thoughts that consumed me to the point where there was days where I would wake up and I was just numb. And I think that feeling of numbness a lot of people go through is because you don't know what pain and what suffering and what reality looks like. Like everything in your mind is blended in. You feel kind of you're there, but you know, you don't know how to feel. And I think I'll get into that in a bit. I just want to thank you, Hada, because that's not something easy to talk about. Aside from it also being taboo, this is your real life. SubhanAllah, how like the most life-changing lessons are the same lessons that we were never prepared for. I love the fact that you mentioned how your marriage seemed healthy to you. Everything seemed to be going as planned. And oftentimes we just think that that the worst is going to happen because everything else is falling apart. SubhanAllah, how this was a lesson that you were not prepared for. You know, you had this intuition and you asked Allah like, 
clear the path for me. And subhanAllah, how Allah answers our prayers in the best way that He knows how versus in what we had expected for our prayers to be unraveled in that sense. You know, there's a lot of times I've made dua and I was like, from looking from an outside perspective, it's like you get to see how your dua came to fruition, but it was not the way that you expected. But subhanAllah, you couldn't imagine a better way for it to have happened because it's your creator that's doing it for you. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to add something to that because I think when you ask for something and you get it back in a way that you didn't expect, it's very easy to beat yourself over why did I ask that? Because, you know, faith is not always uh, something that is very strong during your darkest moments. Faith, you have to build in those darkest moments. So for me, when I had asked, you know, y'all clear my path. And then all of a sudden I was given this lesson. Now I call it, I was like, wait a minute, why did you give me that I asked you to clear my path, but I didn't ask you to completely turn around my life. You know, we go into those battles with God, I find during our dark moments when you really need him. But at the same time, your worldly person, your worldly spirit is saying, wait a minute, I didn't ask for this. So I found myself doing that a lot. And even with faith, I mean, yes, at the end of the day, there is no doubt that faith, prayer and God got me through this. But I will say that, you know, sometimes you look at people that have such strong faith and you're like, how do they have that? You know, I don't understand how did they get through what they did? How do they get to have faith? And I'm still here kind of questioning. And that happened to me. I was questioning the faith to understand the faith. I was like, why are you putting me through this? But I do, I do trust you and I do love you. There were times in my prayer where I was like, God, I'm in doubt. I just want you to show me that this is not doubt. I want you to show me that you have me. So the conversations with God alone during that time were in itself something that I had to grow from, but really, really trust because my trust and confidence and strength and faith were like hovering at like, like a negative at that time, right? So even building that alone was extremely difficult. I absolutely agree with everything you said, Hilda, because that's exactly where I've been. And I've tried so many times to express this on the podcast, this tug and pull that we have with our with our faith and with God. And and it's true. It's like we ask God for all these du'as and all these prayers. And again, we think that just because we're asking him of these certain things that they would just be gifted to us like that without anything being taken away from us or without being tested with a hardship. And it's like the more you live life and the more things that you've endured, the more you realize, like, I honestly just cherish the hardships in my life. Those are even more important to me than the blessings that I've had to, you know, that I was gifted because those were easy. Those were simple things. Like it's it's amazing to be able to have that connection with God, to be able to get to the point to understand that our hardships are genuinely meant to serve us. And it took a long time for me to get here. And we share similar stories in regards to just having an unhealthy marriage in the beginning and then going through divorce and going through that type of trauma. Like it took a lot for me to be able to build my relationship once again with God, because I just looked at myself like I was just such a young person. I never did anything wrong. Why did I have to meet some like that? Why did I have to go through that? Like I always prayed, I always fasted, I did everything right. I I treated my parents with respect, but subhanAllah, like the version of who I am right now, it would have never came into fruition if I had never gone through what I had gone through. So these hardships are just such a beautiful tool that are meant to serve us to get to the point of where we get to be a better version of ourselves. When did you realize like your marriage was mostly just used as a tool to for you to become who you are today, rather than like focusing solely on the marriage and why you're broke apart. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when I look back and when I was in it, I had uh, one, a very supportive system around me, a couple of really good girlfriends, parents and so forth. And I'm blessed. But apart from that, I mean, people can only be around you for so long. And I mean, family, friends, whoever, they were there for me all the time. But most of the hard work you have to do, like there's no way around it. You have to lean on you in order to get through your darkest moments. I think when I was in the thick of things, there were certain things that I I had to realize about myself. So I first leaned on therapy. I had done a lot of personal development work on myself over the last 10 years. I had read all of the books, the podcasts, and I've always been in that type of group of people where positivity and learning are kind of like my forefront. Um, and that's how I grew up. My dad always kind of put a book in front of me. So, you know, when I went through it, I was like, oh, this is a piece of cake. Like I'm going to fast track my growth. I know exactly what to do. I've read the books. I know I should get a therapist. So literally a week after I got myself a therapist and I think I was just checking off the box because I knew on paper what you're supposed to do. Have a good support system. Check. Go to therapy. Check. Read a book. Check. Go back to the gym. Check. That's so true. You know, because you're like, wait, I'm doing all of them. And no doubt that they help because it distracts you in the meantime. But what's really inside takes its own time to heal. That's what I realized. So I think when the marriage fell apart, it gave me a chance to be my own person. And I don't say that because I wasn't my own person during the marriage. But after life kind of happens to you and you have kids and you're busy working and you're cooking and cleaning and being a wife and being a mother and doing all of the things that women can actually do because we're superheroes. And I really believe that. There, there's very little time to sit down and be like, hey, what do I want to do five years from now? Hey, what would I like to do? And even though I thought personally my life was really great in a sense that, you know, I traveled all the time. Me and my husband, you know, had a really great relationship. We barely fought. I mean, it was so different than the last marriage that I had. We had a blended family. There were little things here and there, but nothing that I thought would really break us apart. And then I was faced with really looking deeper with myself. And yes, of course, I found things that I really had to work on. I had to work on my patience. I had to work on consistency. I found myself during my life over promising and under delivering, saying yes to way too many things. Financial independence, that is probably my biggest because in my career, I feel like I've been on a search for a while to find something that I really love and enjoy and to put my mind into. And I didn't have that. And that really took a toll on me. So during when things fell apart. I went on a journey to kind of find my working self again. So there were a lot of things hard to put into kind of perspective when we're speaking. But now that I look back, like marriage was just a way to get me closer to myself, my deen, my faith, me being a a good mother, a better mother to my children, because I had all this time to spend with them. I got to know a little bit more about things that they struggle with, that they're not so great with. It gave me a chance to explore on my own. I literally went on so many drives by myself and being on your own really rekindles something deeper. Uh, And it did for me, my nature walks, sitting by the water, like I can go on about how much that made me kind of rise up again. And now that I look back, I don't think there's anything that can break me apart, not not marriage, not loss. I mean, I feel like I would know how to cope with a loss now because I've gone through the motions of it. So the level of confidence I have is not built on my marriage, my husband, my kids. It's solely built on me, which I don't think I had before. So Pan Allah, like how 
how it's almost like you had all these blind spots and you're driving this car and the main focus was you're focusing straight ahead. And what that was, was basically just your marriage. And, you know, oftentimes like, yeah, that was a blessing in itself. But like I said, there was so many blind spots in the process that you weren't able to focus on anything else. So it's interesting how God can close the door on our blessings, even blessings that he wants to regift us with, because Alhamdulillah, you were still with your husband and everything, everything got worked out in the end. But it's interesting how like Allah closes the door on that blessing. So you're, you are able to focus on all of these other blind spots that we've just been having just sitting in the lobby in the waiting area that we weren't focusing so much on our life. And those nature walks really make a difference because that was me in 2020. That's when I literally, that was the first time I actually like hit rock bottom. I had a mental breakdown. I had to seek therapy. I've never seek therapy before, but that's the point I reached. Like that point where I felt like I had to speak to a professional, but it was those nature walks. It was that moment of solitude. It was almost kind of like rekindling a relationship with myself because there's a lot of times like, again, I don't know if it's because of the, the homes we grow up in or the culture that we have. As much as we feel like we were independent, we were very still dependent on our families or we were given that mindset that like at the end of the day, like you have to get married, you have to do X, Y, and Z. It's almost like you can't stand alone. But how powerful was it for you to finally feel like, no, I can stand alone. Yes, I have beautiful children. Yes, I have an incredible husband. But what about me? What about the relationship with myself? Like, how were you able to finally say, like, I can stand on my own two feet and be able to come back to myself? You saying, talking to me about your nature walks, like I'm sure we were probably both feeling the exact same thing. Being on your own, it truly like does something to you. So I can definitely relate when you say that. I know you mentioned that we got back together and we did. Alhamdulillah, like it's been a couple of months now that we're back together as a family in the same home. And my husband, I, I think it's important to talk about this as well, because I think men need their own type of lesson that forever changes them. I feel like women embrace lessons a lot more. We have emotional connection to a lot of things in our life, our children, our parents, our work. Like we don't do anything just surface level. We really get deeper within things. Or else men, they're very comfortable of, you know, going through a disaster in their life and completely being like, nah, I'm totally cool. <laughs> That's like, so true. Yeah, I, I think with my husband more than our marriage falling apart, I think we both fell apart individually. And because we were both apart individually in our own journeys and we were lacking something that we really had to grow as individuals. I think that's why our marriage fell apart because yes, of course, just like any marriage, there was lack of communication, a better, you know, just like the normal things. Like when I look back and when we talk about our marriage, they were just regular, normal things, you know, too busy in life, uh, not taking out time for us, not communicating and being honest with what we're feeling, financial difficulty and not paying attention to it. But now that I look back, I think my husband really had to go hit through his own midlife crisis to become a better person. And when he did that on his own and I went on my own, the fact that we came together, because I do get a lot of questions, I'm so hopeful that me and my husband get back together. How did you find your way back together? And I want to say that I was at a point where I had completely surrendered myself to God. And I was just like, Yallah, like whatever is meant to be for me will be. And during that time, I knew that our marriage was over. It's not like I was hanging on by a thread. I was moving on. I bought my, like I got myself a own place. I moved out with the kids. We had signed our separation papers. So it was not like we were sitting there in between. And I'm just pointing that out because the point of this conversation is not to, oh, well, everything works out in the end and you got your marriage back together. And so you're great because my journey alone and his journey alone were two different journeys and we were separated. The only reason I think we got together is because inevitably that's what God had planned for us. After nine months of being separated, it was 
was something after he went through tons of therapy, you know, he realized on his own, what does family and thing mean when he came back and he wanted to apologize and fix things again, there was a bigger journey ahead of both of us. And that journey was, can we forgive each other? Can I forgive you for, you know, our home breaking apart? Can I accept you back in my life? Will we make it another 10 years? And when I went to my therapist and went to my dad and I said, look, my dad always told me, he goes, if your marriage is meant to work out, the bigger journey for you is going to be deciding at that time what you want to do with it. Because now I was at crossroads. I was like, wait, I'm 35 years old. I have this whole life I can go create for myself, be my own independent person. And maybe I'm losing out and I'm going to lose out on this marriage and this person, but maybe it wasn't meant to be. So I had a conscious choice to decide what I wanted to do in this situation. So that conscious decision led us back to each other, but a lot of work, like there were days where we would see each other after we got back together and I didn't want to rush anything. We didn't move back in together right away. There was a lot of brokenness that had to be fixed and come together with a lot of healing that we just would cry for a very long time uh, looking at each other because there's so much pain that we endured, that I endured, that I couldn't just uh, accept the apology and bring him back to my life. So that transitions into pain because the only way I can describe my journey for the last like 12 months is pain and suffering. And I think Allah, God did that to humble me because I never knew how much suffering there is out in the world. And I'm talking about suffering that people are still going through because because a lot of relationships nowadays, there's so much pain and suffering in those relationships. There's no love, there's abuse, infidelity, abuse, not physically, but emotional abuse that we just say, you know what, it's okay. And we carry on life. So there's a lot of silent suffering in people's hearts that I was not privy to because I had such a great life as I called it. So when I went through my own suffering, it just humbled me that you know what, everyone is on such a different journey, you just never know who is going through what and that made me realize that pain is inevitable, you're going to lose someone at some point of your life and how to navigate that pain and how to surrender to that pain is where you will truly rise, as I say again, or find the strength to see life as beautiful as it truly is. Do you mind sharing with us so that how you were able to come face to face with your pain? Because this is an emotion that all of us resist. It's an emotion that we all busy ourselves with so many other things just so we can resist the feeling of pain. I realize like pain is honestly crucial to the healing process. It's crucial to, for me to experience it, to allow it inside and, and to basically just sit with it. And I think it's very important. I know we've heard these terms before, like sit with your pain, acknowledge your pain and whatnot. But what does that truly mean? When you said you came face to face with your pain, what does that truly mean? Okay, so I'm just going to share a little story because I think it's funny and it did not work for me. And <laughs> like I said, everyone says, you know, sit in your pain, sit in your pain, but you have no clue what that means. It took me like a couple of uh, counselors or therapists before I found the right one. The first therapist that I went to, I remember sitting in my car outside of my parents' house and she did exactly what you're saying. Close your eyes, Huda. Now go in your pain, sit in your pain. And I was so disconnected with the language and what she was telling me to do. 
And, you know, she brought me back in instances that were super uncomfortable and just didn't understand what I was going through. So I do want to point out like all of these things that you hear about pain necessarily doesn't mean it's going to work for you. But I think you need to understand the concept of pain. I listen to a lot of like uh, scholars and monks and Sadhguru is someone that I really like because it's rooted deeper in the spiritual world in terms of what pain is. So I think once you understand the word pain and suffering, you're able able to embrace it better. So I don't, I'm not going to provide tactics in terms of what to do when you're hurting. But I will say that my uh, understanding of pain is in your head, in your mind, pain comes, suffering comes when you are in the future and in the past. Because when you're in the present, there's no such thing as pain or suffering. Pain happens in your heart and in your mind when you think about what it could have been and what it used to be. And that's why grief and the loss of someone to deal with is one of the hardest journeys people ever go through. The loss of a child, the loss of a parent is because when they die, the only thing that gets reserved in your mind that causes you suffering is thinking about, well, what if they were around? They're going to miss out on my birthdays. They're going to miss out on this. They're going to miss out. Oh, they used to be like that. So you're constantly between the future and the past. And when I understood that pain and suffering is in your mind based on your past and your future, because in my mind, it was my pain was suffering was, oh my God, we spent like 13 years together. Oh my God, my marriage was this. And I had this whole perspective of what I thought my life was. I went through all of this trouble and I went through all of this huge journey in my life. And I shared all of this on my social media of, you know, how beautiful my marriage was and how much work I put into it. And now my pain was coming from my thoughts of my past. And then it was, how am I going to carry on in the future? Am I going to be 40? Am I going to miss him? So I don't know if this makes sense. I'm just trying to give you the analogy of what my understanding became of pain. And once I repeated this over and over again, okay, pain is not now. It is not in this moment today. It's because I'm thinking about the past and I'm thinking about the future. That's why I'm suffering. You can truly end suffering. It takes time. Don't get me wrong because it took conscious effort. Every time I went on a whirlwind about the future and the past, I had to stop myself. Okay, stop thinking about that. Think about right now. Right now, are you in any physical pain? No. Are you in emotional pain? Yes, because you're just holding on to the past and future. So that tug of war took many, many months. And I don't think it ever ended, but I just ended up getting a better understanding and helped me understand visually. And I'll say it here on the podcast, because I think it can help you. Like if you close your eyes right now and you imagine yourself in a field and you see a tornado coming. You know it's coming. You know you're on the path of the tornado. You know you can't move for whatever reason and it's going to come and it's going to rip you apart. The fact that you know it's coming, the fact that you anticipate it's coming, that in itself is some relief because you know you're expecting it. So in my world, my tornado came unexpected. So what I saw was me just standing in the field and this tornado is just like literally approaching me and now I'm in the tornado and I visually pictured myself like like kind of spinning through the tornado. And at one point, I'm like dead center in the middle because they say the eye of the storm is the most calmest, right? So I knew in my life, like right then and there, that there's like this huge tornado around my life and I'm going through it, but I'm just in the middle and I'm experiencing everything as a human. So that was my pain. Pain is all around me, but inside I still have myself. I am me and 
all I have is my soul. And eventually when that tornado seems to pass, you're able to take the beauty of all the ripped pieces, all the fallen pieces and pick them back up. And they might not fit together like they did when it first fell apart, but they beautifully fit and you see the cracks and you see the lines through it and you know it's suffered through something, but it's so beautiful because of its suffering, right? It's like the diamond in the rough, like it takes forever to find that beautiful diamond. You got to go through, you know, trenches and like to find that beautiful piece of diamond. But when you do, it's just so beautiful. That's how we are as humans. Like the more scars, the more pain and the more suffering we have and the more we grow from it and learn those lessons, that's how bright you shine. That's kind of my analogy of my pain and what I went through. I just never heard anybody explain it so beautifully. That's why I really wanted you to share it on the podcast again, just in case somebody didn't see your video or they're just being introduced to you because the way you explained it, it made me sit with my pain as well. And it's so interesting. The more that we live in the present moment, the less that we feel the self-doubt, this worry, all this pain, all these troubles. And it, it is, it's truly an art. It takes a long time for us to be able to sit with ourselves in the present moment. I think we're always avoiding something or we're always anticipating something. Something. We're always between avoiding and anticipating. We can never just allow things to just be and experience things as they are in this moment. I think that's generally why it's like such a gift. Life is such a gift. But I think sometimes we do take it for granted because our mind just takes us on all of these trips all over and we can never just like focus on what we have right now, right in front of us. I kind of want to talk about like, how did you trust God enough to know that this was just part of your journey and not your whole story? And I think this kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of grief and sadness. You said it yourself, like you signed the separation papers, you literally envisioned a life now without your your husband. How were you able to grieve that? How are you able to kind of like understand that this is what it is? And this is basically grief. This is what I'm dealing with now. This is like the second part of my journey is the grieving process. Well, I just I just wanted to say, you know how you said anticipate something or avoiding something. And I just want to bring up a sentence that if you find yourself repeating that, know that there's deeper work to be done within yourself. And that's usually, I don't want to talk about it. And how often do we say that about so many situations in our life? Someone might bring up an ex-partner and you're like, I don't want to talk about it. Someone might say like, you know, your work is not going that great. Are you, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, you have like, we say that, but if we actually listen to what we're saying, I don't want to talk about it, it's just our way of saying, I don't want to talk about it with you and neither do I want to talk about it within myself. Those are a couple of things that I found myself to be helpful during the process. But if we talk about the next chapter, look, I don't even know where to start. Like I couldn't picture my life ahead and I tried not to. And I think that's what helped me move on or help me deal with grief. Like I just told you, once I understood pain and suffering, I really tried to avoid the future conversation because I was trying to make it another day and be present in the moments that I had. Now, that's not to say that life is still a thing. You know, you can you can be living in the moment, be like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to think about the future. I'm not going to think about the past. And, you know, I'm just going to live and be present. When it means being present, that's more of the spiritual and emotional side. But there are certain things physically that you got to do to get yourself back up on your feet, especially as women, if you've gone through a divorce or if you've gone through a bad marriage, a bad relationship, or you haven't even been married now and you've got the pressure of people telling you, oh, aren't you going to find the perfect person when you're going to have kids? All those societal pressures. I think it's really important to get your life together where you feel independent regardless of all those circumstances. So for me, the first thing was getting myself a job, getting my career in check, getting myself a job helped build my arms and legs that that were falling apart, you know, like it's like someone debilitated me and speaking to another human being, being in an office environment and learning something gave me courage, gave me confidence. And it 
took time, right? Of finding myself, what I want to do next. For me, it was real estate. So I went and got my real estate license. I haven't been to school in like 20 years. So even going back to school was such a confidence booster. It was like, wow, I'm doing something for myself. So apart from like the physical attributes of getting my life together, which helped a lot, the emotional stuff, dealing with the grief, I already had acknowledged that I knew I was in the process. And I think most of us forget that we're in a process, but changing your mindset and changing the conversations within yourself is how you get out of your misery. Let's just put it that way. So for me, I knew I was in a process. I knew I was going to be dealing with grief and I just had to deal with it. I just had to go through every moment. Today was a really bad day. I cried a lot and I missed him a lot. I missed what we had. It's so sad to see me and my kids just sitting there in the living room when it used to be five of us. It was hard to go to restaurants to eat instead of asking for a table of five. I'm asking for a table of three. The little, little moments of life, you don't realize how important they become. Coming home and seeing my grass outgrown because my husband would mow the grass. Like it comes down to the little tiny moments when you lose something that you were completely blind to that you cherish the most. Like I said, it humbled me in the process. So going through the grief journey was something that I had just read about that I had accepted and I knew and I was going to go through it and not fighting it back, not saying I don't want to deal with it was one of the hardest things because it was so easy at moments for me to be like, you know what, guys, I don't want to talk about this. But instead, I did the complete opposite. Every time I didn't want to talk about it, I'm like, wait, this means I have to talk about it. So I tried to help myself as much as I could. You know, it takes a while for us to truly understand that our darkest moments in life are honestly just temporary. But something that I personally used to struggle with a lot when I used to go through my own personal hardships was the fact that I always used to place the blame on myself for how things unfolded. This isn't about not taking accountability or whatnot, but there was just that moment that anytime I went through a hardship right away, I would like go inwards and say, what did I do wrong? How could I have you know brought this upon myself? So it was always just like almost putting myself down in the process of going through that hardship that I felt like it allowed me to not move forward with my healing journey or even move forward with understanding what it is that I'm going through because I was just too busy placing the blame all on myself. Was that something that you dealt with recently when you went through your own personal hardship? Blame is a really hard word to carry with you for the rest of your life. There were, I would say, maybe in the beginning, maybe a couple of times moments where I was like, why me? How did this happen to me? Is it because of me? But very quickly, I pulled myself out. And I would say that most of the women that I speak with, and especially the women on social media that message me, that is the one part that they struggle with the most is the blame because they can't ever think that it could be anyone else except for them. And that's the inherent, I guess, uh, struggle that women deal with the most, which is blaming ourselves for everything, because that's the way we're wired. We're built to take care of everyone. When we take care of everyone, we automatically assume the role of the guardian or the one that can accommodate everyone. So when something falls, when something breaks, when something goes wrong, I mean, I'm the one that took care of everyone. So who else is going to blame? I'm the one to blame. But I think that it comes down to confidence. And I think that women lack a lot of confidence because we first culture, society, pressure, 
apart from all of those things, because we weren't really taught. I mean, generations of women, hundreds and hundreds years of women. It took many, many years to women to get to where we are today. So I feel like that confidence maybe has started to come around now in the last 30, 40, 50 years. And it's going to take a long time for that confidence to go the next 100, 200 years. And where does confidence comes from? It comes from the ability of being able to keep promises to yourself. It comes from taking care of you. It comes from building yourself, your career, your relationships. And if all of our lives for the past God knows how many years, if we've been taught to take care of other people, that part of the confidence has never been built then. So it's coming around now. The more women work and become CEOs and the more women become self-independent and the more women that talk about going through their divorces and their abuse and coming out of those, that's where confidence really comes from. So I think the blaming game is a direct correlation with lack of self-confidence. So I would work on the confidence part. And once you have confidence, the blame game starts to diminish a little bit more, right? So I think if you're a woman and you're listening and you're struggling with blaming yourself for any reason that could have been avoided because, you know, you didn't do anything right. Just hear me out. It's not you. It's not your fault. You need to look yourself in the mirror and make a promise that you're going to do even the slightest thing that you promise and you're going to stick by and you're going to do it for yourself. You continue to do that one week, two weeks, three weeks, just you will see the difference it makes in your life. Like I took a red lipstick on my bathroom mirror and I wrote down still she rises from Maya Angelou on my mirror and I think that's been a sentence that a lot of women have carried with them because when I searched it up there's women that have gotten tattoos on their bodies uh, have a picture of it just to remind them and that was me too every morning I would wake up I would look at it looking is different and saying it out loud is different. And every time I read that sentence out loud, I just like cried and cried. So this journey we're on is not easy. It's hard, especially for us women. So I understand you and I know that it's hard, but you've all that you got apart from your kids and your family, you have to have yourself. If you don't have you, things in your life will start to fall apart because they're not getting the best of you. And in order to get the best of you, you need to have the best of yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hoda, for that piece of advice, because I think, yeah, a lot of times like we talk about confidence and we want to attain it, but we just don't know how. But it honestly does start and end with us. And and that statement still she rises. That's a very powerful statement, but it is different. It's different once you actually say these things out loud to yourself. You know, another thing that I want to talk about is vulnerability. You know, I read somewhere that it's the path that takes you to the other side of fear. How you mentioned earlier, the past versus the future and, and not being in the present moment. And I know you kind of touched upon this, you know, your conversations with God, but not a lot of people talk about, you know, the fact when you're coming to God, you're coming as you are. And that takes a lot of vulnerability. Yes, we know that's our creator. Yes, we know he knows everything about us or every single thing, the thoughts that we've never even spoken about. But it still takes this vulnerability from us to be able to approach God as we are and to basically just ask him to heal us. So how were your conversations in in those moments where you were working on yourself, but you also wanted to be able to like align yourself with God's plan and embrace it because you realize what was happening that you were on this journey of individual growth. So I think it's two things, I guess. Yeah. How do you have that conversation with God? How do you stay consistent with your conversations with God and coming as you are, but also understanding like at some point you have to embrace God's plan over your plan or over what you had hoped for for your life? 
There's two things that come to my mind. One, uh, I remember sitting on the couch and my kids were gone to their dads and I was alone and I was watching uh, Tony Robbins show. And he says something that I think a lot of people kind of like it's stuck in my mind. And he says, you know, you have two choices. You can either choose fear or you can choose faith, but you can't walk with both. And I think what we try to do as people is walk with both. We've got a little bit of fear and we've got a little bit of faith. You have to choose one. So when I heard that, I consciously was like, F the fear, I'm done with it. Because if I choose fear, I'm consistently going to be in a battle with myself because you're fighting. You're always fighting with fear. I want you. I don't want you. I'm scared of you. And you. But if I choose faith, I'm completely leaving it alone. It forces you to let go. And that's the hardest part of faith is that it requires you to let go. So when I look back at my conversations with God, I actually used to feel very relieved after saying when I would lift my hands in prayer and I said, God, you know best, Allah, you know best. I'm going to leave it up to you and I'm going to trust you. My body would literally feel better because it's like giving someone else your problems, you know, and I don't mean that in any way, but God knows best how to handle you and what to do with you. So if you just say, God, here are my problems. I'm just leaving it up to you. And imagine having a physical basket of a whole bunch of things in it that was your pain. And you just put it all in there, your worries and everything. You're like, okay, by the way, I'm just giving this basket over to you. Imagine that if you visualize that, it's kind of very similar. It's a similar transaction, except for it's not visual, but you can take all your emotions, all your pain and whatever. You're like, I'm wrapping it up. God, please take this. And I'm going to leave it up to you. Do whatever you want with it. All of a sudden you feel free. You're like, okay, well, I gave it to him. He said, he's going to help me out. He's going to do whatever he needs to do. And that is what makes you feel like, okay, he's got it. And the thing is, we predict all of our life, right? We're predicting, okay, next year I'm doing this, next week I'm doing this. And we don't realize how unpredictable life is. When these moments, like what I went through happen, and if you haven't gone through those moments, if you're in some way prepared to know that unexpected things will happen. So when it does happen, you're like, oh, this is that unexpected thing. You are able to embrace it differently because it's going to happen at some point. I mean, I'm in my 30s. There's family, friends. My parents are getting older. You know what's coming. Like there's a lot of things that are going to be coming my way. And now I'm like, OK, so this is how to deal with it. And the other thing I wanted to say is um, I'm going to say it in Urdu because my dad actually used to say this to me all the time. And it, it speaks about vulnerability because a lot of people are so scared uh, of being vulnerable and it's such a difficult feeling to embrace because it requires you to selflessly tell the world or tell yourself that I'm flawed. I'm mistaken. And these are my flaws. And nowadays, all we want to do is tell everyone how happy we are, how grateful we are, but never showing what we're actually suffering with. My dad used to tell me when we were kids and it goes, and what that means is one candle's flame lights the other candle's flame and that flame can light another candle's flame. And that is what vulnerability looks like. When you are able to share and be vulnerable, it gives the courage. I'm going to tear up because it really gives the courage of someone else being able to be vulnerable. And then that person inspires someone in their family or someone else to be vulnerable. And that's how you spread vulnerability and uh, the courage to come out and share what we go through as humans. 
You're making me tear up, Hoda, because honestly, like that's the whole purpose of us sharing our stories. It's just such a beautiful feeling. And I always say this every time I have somebody in my DMs telling me, oh, thank you for sharing what you just shared or whatnot. It's just like, that's what we need more of. Just being human, being able to share our struggles because we all have just been so conditioned to put our best foot forward on social media to showcase this perfect life, to make things seem like they're all falling together perfectly. But I mean, we're still humans. There's still a real world that we're living in. There is still a creator that is in charge of all of our affairs like and the essence of us being even created is to go through hardship like this dunya wouldn't exist if hardship didn't exist like when you shared your story like things that you said helped somebody like me who I felt like I was already like on my healing journey I was way past like anybody else that just probably went through something that's painful so if you're helping me imagine how many other people that you're helping that are just going through the worst hardship right now that they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel or those who are being drowned with so many hardships where they feel like when can I catch a break. But you're so right. Like, yes, here you are, mashallah, you went through your individual growth journey. Your husband went through it as well. SubhanAllah, Allah wrote for you guys to come back together. That's not always written for everybody. But you still mentioned that there's still many more hardships to anticipate. Yes, we have, as much as we're aging, our parents are also aging. As as many loved ones that we have as our support system, they're also going to one day be a loss in our life. And it's so hard to say that out loud. And it's so hard to imagine a life without our family, without our friends or any of that. But it's just inevitable. When you say that I did share my story and at some point I knew I would, whether it was with him or without him. And and maybe that's why I have so many moments of myself recorded because I knew I was going through this journey and I had no clue what the end was going to look like. So I actually captured my worst moments on camera while I was going through it because I didn't know where I was going to come out. I was like, you know, two years from now, at some point, whatever I went through, I do want to share because it does not phase me one bit what anyone says, what they don't say because my journey is mine and I am so pleased with it that sharing it makes me happy because when I did there were some people that messaged like why would you put all of your personal business out there and for me all of that stuff doesn't do anything because that's them and what they would do they're not me I would do this because I see the impact of what this can do there's more good than bad. And if there's people that want to sit there and talk, they will regardless. So I can't live in other people's boxes. I have my own box to live in. And if sharing is, again, going back to scholars and going back to the spiritual, emotional world, they say that true happiness lies in others. You can make yourself happy. You can buy yourself stuff. You can do things for yourself and you're going to feel great and do things. But when you do something that is selfless and the in the act of others, there's that happiness piece that most people can't, don't experience because they're so self-centered. And I mean, that's what our prophets did. That's what Islam is about. That's what majority of the religions are about. That is basically what we're here to do humans is if we do something in the service of others, that's when you feel a level of happiness that I think is unparalleled compared to you doing something for yourself. And that's what makes me happy. So that's why I share. I'm grateful for you for sharing. I think sometimes those people that tell you not to share, maybe they're going through their own troubles and they just don't want to see it being spoken out loud. Then there's the taboo aspect of it, like women sharing their personal situations of what's happening behind closed doors. Like, oh no, don't share that. Don't let anybody know what's going on in your life. Like make it seem like it's all perfect, but it's just life is not perfectly. I mean, come on, that literally goes against our faith. I just explained how like hardship is part of us. Like we were created with hardship. Look, that's just the way it is. That's the way life is. I think I want to end it on the note of, you know, how do we not rush who we're becoming? Because you said in the very beginning, subhanAllah, how this like conversation made a full circle. You were like checking off this checklist of like what to do, 
when you approach this type of hardship or that type of hardship. But like, how do we take it slow? How do we not rush who we're becoming? How do we understand that like we're always going to be at the right place at the right time? That's if you believe that. Personally, I feel like I do believe that. I don't believe in coincidence. I feel like everything is written for us. I believe everything is with God's intention. And that's why sometimes I just feel like even if the worst thing has happened to me, it was meant to happen to me for a reason. So how do we not rush who we're becoming and just trust God in this entire process? Okay, so if Michelle Obama at the age of 57 can write a book about I am becoming and she's in her 50s and she served as the first lady of the United States, who am I to think that I am done becoming? I mean, that shows you that the becoming has to do with every stage of your life. So you are never fully whole or fully become, if that's even a word, till you go through certain seasons and chapters of your life. So I think that's the way that I would put it is that you can't rush things that haven't already happened. And you can't rush what your 40s would look like in your 30s and what your 30s would look like in your 20s. Yes, you can plan and anticipate, but you can't do something that hasn't happened yet. So for me, my suggestion and my like advice to anyone that's trying to come to terms with, you know, who they're becoming. Yes, it's a journey. We've heard that concept so many times. It's a journey. You got to go on this journey. But at the same time, like if you're in your 20s, you still got your 30s coming. You still got your 40s coming. If you're in your 30s, you have a whole new life of 40s coming. And in your 40s, you've got whole got 50s. So and that is if you're blessed enough and if you're fortunate enough to have be able to be blessed with those days because you don't know when your time's up in this life, right? So that's how I would put it. I mean, if Michelle Obama is writing a book on becoming in her 50s, then there's definitely a, a slow moving process to who you become because who you are in your 20s is different than your 30s and who am I in my 30s is different than what I'm going to be in my 40s. And trust me, I'm looking forward to my 40s because the stuff that I keep hearing about your 40s is when you get fully liberated and you don't really care about much other than you're so confident. I feel like that's another part of, you know, my life that I'm going to embrace. And I have a really, really great role model. She's in her fifties. She's like my husband's cousin. He is on her own. She was married. She went through a divorce, but she's like 53. I think she turned last week. Unbelievable woman. The way that she lives her life in her fifties and every lesson that she's learned, I am just completely in awe of what the 50s could look like because it looks like such a beautiful journey. So that's my thoughts on what becoming is. I absolutely love it because it's so true. I, I feel like it was such an interesting feeling when I became, when I entered my 30s. I just finally felt like, I said this before, like I finally felt like an adult, like I can make my own choices. I felt liberated. I felt like I didn't have to explain myself to anyone. I felt like my relationship with God was just on a completely different level than my relationship with him in my 20s. My relationship with everyone, basically. And it's just such a beautiful feeling as we're aging and as we are going through these lessons and these hardships and and just you know indulging in these beautiful blessings it's such a beautiful life this journey of just growing and becoming and i've learned that like the only time we rush is when we're trying to meet the timeline of society and what they say but honestly i'm on no one's timing but god's timing and if i'm on god's timing then i'm on perfect perfect timing then that means i'm at the perfect place perfect time always yeah, you can't fight his plans. I tried. It don't work. <laughs> I know. But Michelle, look at you now. Like, it's not even the fact that you're back with your husband. It's just look at you now. Look at who you've become. Like, I'm still healing, to be completely honest. I like this middle part where I'm in because, yes, I've gone through the, the worst, but I'm also not at my best yet because I'm still in the process of healing past mistakes, traumas, and seeing myself grow. I'm, I feel like I'm witnessing myself grow. And that's okay. I'm in the middle journey. And 
and that's what it looks like. I, I like I like the name of that, honestly, because like, yeah, people think that when you're on the healing journey, you should be completely new and improved and know all these uh, therapy terms and all. No, like I'm still working on myself. Like it's called the healing journey, not healed journey. Like there's such a difference. I, I honestly just appreciate you and this conversation. Personally, you've helped me. I know you've probably helped so many women just to be able to just see somebody else going through a hardship that's almost similar to yours and how they're navigating it is very reassuring, to be honest. It's just such a good feeling to know that you are not alone in whatever it is that you go through. And that's the whole, honestly, the whole intention and the whole essence behind this podcast is for us to share these stories. Because just like you, I was just tired of not the fake stories, because I know everybody that are sharing their highlight reels and they're sharing the great points of their life. It is an actually good moment in their life. But I also want to share the other side of life, the rawness, the realness, the pain, the healing journey, all of that. So I just really want to thank you, Huda. Where can people find you on social media? And are you open to probably answering people's DMs and whatnot? Because I know you're probably overwhelmed, but I know people just love to talk and be able to just open up to somebody. Absolutely. For, uh, on Insta, it's just my first and last name. It's Huda, H-U-D-A, last name Alvi, A-L-V-I. And DMs, messages, I'm very open to. I love hearing back from people. And I, I think it's amazing what you're doing, Dunya. I mean, like so there's so many podcasts now and there's so much information out there. But at the end of the day, if you keep putting your best foot forward and speaking about what you believe in, there's always people that will follow along. And I think you've done such a great job. So thank, thank you, you for having this conversation with me. And lastly, for your listeners, I mean, like, I'm sure you're a woman listening to this. Just know in your heart that you're all that you need and that you've got this. We're all stronger together than apart. So absolutely. Honestly, like literally, that's why I, I emphasize just the importance of like sisterhood. It, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Like sometimes you feel like you really don't have a support system. You and I are grateful to be able to have a support system. But I want people to not feel like they literally have no one. You have us, you know. So thank you so much, Hada. Inshallah, Allah continues to bless you, your family. And I just only want to see you succeed. And I really hope to see more of your stories, more of your videos. I absolutely can literally just sit there and listen to your Instagram TVs all day. So the more the merrier, the better. I absolutely love it. So thank you so much for sharing your story. It takes a lot of courage. No problem. Thank you so much. 